God, thank you for being our Father. How good it is to have a God who's a dad. Thank you, Lord, that we're not your servants or slaves, but you call us sons and daughters. And we thank you that your family is not boring and that we don't just sit around and play board games, but you invite us into the family business. Not because you need us, but for some reason you've chosen to ask us to come alongside of you, to spend time with you, to have the joy of shepherding others closer to your heart. We just thank you for that privilege. We just need your help to see that what you're doing is making a family, that you're after a people, you're after a royal priesthood. Give us eyes to see that, Lord. As we give testimony and give witness to what you have been up to in the last five years and in the last year, Lord, we just want to celebrate your work, your grace, your leading, your ideas, your wisdom, your strategy. It's not us. Thank you, God, that we overcome by your blood and by our testimony. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the testimony you've given us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, just a scripture that God put on my heart was, is Psalms 37, verses 23 to 24. It says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And the good news is, though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Psalms 37, verse 24. I, I like that. God delights in the details. There's a famous quote, the devil's in the details, right? You've heard that, the devil's in the details. I, maybe, I know what that's saying, but I, I think God is in the details because God is strategic. God is a wonderful maker, creator, designer, arranger, aligner. God knows what he's doing. And, and so because we believe that God is Uh, you know, omniscient and omnipotent and that he's not in the dark on things and that he's sovereign. The the reality is, is God doesn't, he's not experimenting, but he knows what he's doing. And yet often I feel kind of either distracted or out of the loop or I don't have the same perspective that God has or I'm seeking my will, my agenda, my kingdom, my ideas. And then every, every now and then there's this moment of, oh God, this is what you've been up to. And I'm, and I'm just discovering that in the details and, and in the dates and in the people and in the locations and in the, and all of that, you can see God's fingerprints. But sometimes um, it's easier to see that in, tw- in hindsight, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. So... Um, I, I want to just give testimony to how in both of our churches, God has been delighting in the details. And my hope is that as we finish this time, that, that your heart would just be full of, 
of gratitude, number one, but also expectation of what's he, are, what's he doing that we don't know of? Like, what's he going to do next year and the year after that? And what's he going to do in 2020? And what's he going to do in 23rd? Like, like, God's up to something, right? So that's kind of my, my hope for us um, this morning. Last night, we used the analogy, it felt like we were in an airplane looking down at 50,000 feet or from eternity, looking at the first century with Jesus and the apostles and what the early church began to do, and then kind of fast-forwarded to the fifth century with St. Patrick and, and you know, the, the Celtic missions, and then fast-forwarded to the founding of San Antonio with the five missions along the river, and then kind of ended with what's God doing right now. So if you were here, hopefully you don't have altitude sickness from hanging out at 50,000 feet. Um, what I'd like to do is kind of nosedive the plane and come down to 10,000 feet really quickly. And I want to just spend some time getting um, some, some clarity on the details of maybe what God's been up to the last five years. So we're going we're gonna to spend our time looking at what's God been up to for the last five years. And then later, this, later today before lunch, we're going to get out of the airplane on the ground and actually walk around the different stations and, and look, what, what's he doing right now? And then I think we'll get in the airplane later and go back up. So uh, th- that's what we're doing. Um, I know that um, uh, for, for many of you, um, you have been in one of our congregations just in the last year. Um, or maybe you weren't here um, last year at the retreat. And so when we talk about Grace Northridge and when we talk about Gathering Midtown, um, we're, we're really aware that, that a lot of people, many people aren't... Um, brought up to speed or aren't clear on what actually happened um, last year. Uh, Often people will ask me, um, by the way, I didn't introduce myself. I'm the pastor of Gathering Midtown, just in case you didn't know. So some of you, I've seen you for the first time. Who is this goofy guy talking? What's he doing up here? That's, thank you for not amening there. That makes me feel better. So what, what God did last year was bring two churches together. And really, how I say it is, um, is that grace um, adopted um, a church plant? And so often people will say, "Hey, we're sister churches," and I, I know what they're trying to say. They're part, but no, 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 no. Um, gathering is a is a daughter church adopted by a parent in Grace Northridge, and it is a delight to have a parent. It's not good to be an orphan. It's not good to be on your own, especially when you have an enemy who's got a lot of history tempting people and he knows all of our weaknesses. So there's just a safety in that adoption. Um, But what I want to do is just tell that story and I want to ask for your forgiveness on the front end because I'm going to tell the story and give testimony from my perspective. And what I don't want that to sound like is that it's Drew-centric. This is Jesus-centric, but I don't know how to tell the story other than to tell it from the perspective I've seen. So I, I want to less preach a message or sermon at you, and I more just want to talk and share testimony of what I have seen God do, Um, and I don't know how to do that other than from my perspective. So about five years ago, a little more than five years ago, um, I I had moved to San Antonio in 2007, which is uh, nine years ago, and we helped plant a church in Holotus, and it was going really well. We grew really fast, and after four years there, I was... I was in a very comfortable place. We owned a home in the Northside School District, ha- trying to have kids. There is no reason to want to sell our house and move downtown where the schools aren't awesome yet. You know, we were really happy, and we went on a vacation, and um, out of the blue, I hear the Lord say, Drew, 
I'm, uh, I'm calling you to something new. And um, I, really, I really want you to focus on uh, seeking first the kingdom of God, not the church. And I had been really seeking first the church and building the church and growing the church, and I had forgotten that the church and the kingdom of God aren't the same thing, but that the church is an agent of the kingdom of God but isn't the kingdom of God. And so I just felt the Lord kind of correct that and then say, I want you to be about making disciples. And it's like, yeah, and, and, there's, and you're going to go somewhere new. And I foolishly said, I don't think so. No, I don't. We're trying to have a baby. We got a great house. We got a good school. No, I don't. A few months went by, and I didn't hear God speaking to me anymore. And one day, after two months of that, I was really frustrated. It's not a good feeling being a pastor and not hearing God's voice. And I said, uh, Lord, why aren't you speaking to me? And quickly he said, because you didn't do the last thing I told you to do, <laughs> which is generally how God works. And so that day, God won the fight. He usually always wins those fights. And um, I came to this place of dying to myself and dying to my selfish desires and dying to what Shari and I had planned for the rest of our lives, of being in a quiet, safe suburb with a good school. And, um, and I said, all right, Lord, I'm, I'll go wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And we like this church. We named it this church. We started this church. We're secure here, but if you want us to go, we'll go. And that was August of 2011, five years ago this month. And in that time of struggling with this, I'm really, really comfortable and secure. Why is God calling me to, do, to jump off the cliff is what it felt like. I called a spiritual mother of mine back in Wichita Falls where I grew up, and uh, she's uh, in her uh, 70s, and um, all of my friends, we, our nickname for her is the Oracle from the movie The Matrix, because every time we go to her for advice, God just speaks to us, and it's like, oh my, so we call her the Oracle. She doesn't appreciate it, um, but, but so I called the Oracle up, and I said, Marianne, here's what I'm hearing, and I'm really struggling with it, and she said, yeah, it's crazy. Right now, God is is moving a lot of his kingdom leaders to be in some strategic places because there's just this, we have to get back to seeking first the kingdom and making disciples. And so right now, all around the world, like leaders are like changing posts and positions. And this is August of 2011. I, I call her and I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but I don't like it. <laughs> And so what I want to just give you the picture of is five years ago this month, I was in a really good, healthy, comfortable place, and I heard God say, I want to move you, and it's going to be strategic because I delight in the details of your life. And it might be hard, and you might feel like you're jumping off the cliff, but I'm going to hold your hand, and you're not going to fall. So that was five years ago, August 2011. Can anyone take a wild guess at what month and what year Grace Fellowship called Matt Kessler to be their pastor? Amanda Kessler, what, when was it? Oh my goodness. Are you telling me that God is sovereign and delights in the details of our lives in that He's really good at 
doing stuff like that. Isn't that awesome? It's just me and Amanda think it's awesome. That's so great. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to have a party. We're just going to have a party. It's so good. I love it. So fast forward. Um, I'm... I'm I, honestly, um, I had been in San Antonio for four years, and so I, I thought, I mean, all I, I lived in Holotus. I never came downtown. I hate, I hate the river walk. It's overpriced enchiladas for $20, and you can get better enchiladas at other places. So I never came down to these parts. And so I honestly did not love San Antonio, and I was only here because I was called to be here. So at that point, I'm think God said go. He didn't say where. So we go to, uh, my sister lives in San Diego. We go to San Diego for the first time. I come out of the airport and I see Coronado and I like the Pacific breeze and the palm trees and I drop my luggage, got down on my knees and said, here I am, Lord, send me. I will, I will share the gospel in San Diego and take up surfing and oh, like the Hotel Coronado could be like the third space. It'd be beautiful. I'd love that. He said, uh-uh. So, like, Colorado, I, I, we, we, could, we could be down with Colorado, and, you know, we like Florida. We, we vacation in Florida every year, hopefully, and, Lord, could we go to Florida? Nope. And so, um, one day, is October 14th, 2011, I'm um, really struggling with, all right, Lord, I've just resigned from my position at the church. No one understands why, because I, I don't know where I'm going, and that looks kind of bad. And I hear the Lord say, just get in your car and drive around the city. So I, um, I drive around, and I, I get on 281, and I come down to Hildebrand, and I, and I turn right on Hildebrand, and I take Hildebrand going west, and then I see San Pedro, and I turn left on San Pedro, and I get to where San Antonio College is, and I see this park, San Pedro Park, the second oldest park in the United States. Boston Commons is the first, by the way. It's kind of fun, useless bit of information. And so I park my car and I get out and there's the, the springs there and these beautiful cypress trees. And I sit on this bench and I see college students going to sack. I see um, some homeless people um, under a tree. I see some people playing tennis and some young families having a picnic. And I just see this melting pot of culture in the heart of our city. And like right there, October 14th, 2011, I heard the Lord say, this is where I want you. Seek first my kingdom make disciples. And then the third thing I heard, which didn't make sense, was you're not the only one involved. That one went over my head, to be honest, but so we just started doing that. And I remember sitting in the park and looking, okay, where could we have church? And I looked across the street and there's a Seventh-day Adventist church. And I remember thinking, well, they don't use it on Sunday. I wonder if they'd rent it to me. And we never, we never, I was too scared to walk in, but, because um, I'm not a vegetarian, and a lot of them are vegetarians, and I was afraid if they asked if I like bacon that they'd say, no, you can't, you know, reuse the space. So I never went in. But what I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I heard this, that that church was one of the places that Grace Fellowship first worshiped in. Is that right? Right? This is where I want you. Seek first the kingdom, not your church. Make disciples. You're not the only one involved. And I'm looking across the street looking at this building that y'all were worshiping. Isn't that awesome? They didn't like your wine. See, bacon and wine, they just got problems, you know? (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, So you see that? So 
I'm just telling the story from my perspective, giving testimony from my perspective. God delights in the details of our lives. And so I'm, I'm hearing this, and I have no idea what's going on. And I know none of y'all in this room, except for, you know, the aces and staffles. That's it. And yet, I just, I knew God was saying, sell your house, leave a good school district, and come down to this park where there's a bunch of homeless people and college students and people playing tennis and young families and just this is what you want this is what I want you to do and so we were crazy enough to to do it so I'm going to fast forward to two years ago we got, we got started we got going Grace got started y'all were going and um, praise God for Scott Barr Scott Barr uh, meets me goes back and calls Matt says Matt you need to Meet this guy. He needs a lot of help. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he said, but it's true. And so um, I get this email from Carol say, hey, this guy named Matt would like to have lunch with you at La Gloria. He'll buy. And I thought, well, I love Mexican food. That's across the street from me. Why not? So um, I meet Matt at La Gloria for the first time, and we just catch up. And then this, uh, he leaves the office and, and says, hey, Andrew, you need to meet this guy. He needs a lot of help. And so Andrew reaches out, hey, can we have coffee? And so like, that's the beginning of how this relationship got started. And um, thank you, um, Scott, for using your major role in connecting people. It's a beautiful way that the kingdom of God works through the hearts of people. It's how it works through people. Oh, there you are. I'm like looking over you. Thank you right there. Love you, brother. So um, me and Matt get to know each other, and I do leadership intensive that fall. I think this is fall 2014. And me and Matt get to know each other, and, then, and I remember the day where um, the, the light bulb moment went on for both of us. We were sitting in this um, awful coffee shop. Like I remember exactly where we were sitting. Uh, the coffee was horrible. I swear they were selling Folgers and putting $5 on it. Like They're not in business anymore. I wonder why. But they, like we were just at this really horrible coffee shop and we're having this conversation and I'm sharing my heart and what God's put on my heart to do for the gathering. And like I wanted these, you know, small two to 300 person neighborhood churches that are deeply embedded to the neighborhood that you could walk to, ride your bike to, or take a two or three minute car ride to. And like, like literally if the church ceased to exist, the community would, would mourn. Like I wanted that type of mid-sized neighborhood church. And then I f- felt like I was saying, do like four of these all around downtown so that you could really um, reach a lot of diverse different people. And then a few times a year worship together. And so that was the vision that God had given me. And I'm sharing that with Matt. And Matt says, that's what God told me to, except he went up to me and said, but five? It's like, all right, more is better. I was, you know, I hear in part, I hear in part, so maybe it was a five and not a four. So we're, we're getting there, and there was just this moment over some god-awful coffee that Matt said, hey, I just feel like God's calling us to own the lostness of this community. That we would stand up and say, no one's going to hell on our watch. And I said, yeah, I, that's why I get out of bed in the morning. That's what I want to give my life to. I want to see more and more people come to know Jesus Christ and to help other people come to know Jesus Christ who help other people come to know Jesus. Like, just, that's what I want to give my life to. 
And so he said, well, I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea, but like, we should, like, let's figure this out. And so two years ago, this fall, we, this, be, this, this began, and, and, and honestly, we both said, we've never seen anything like this. Um, we've heard of churches trying to do this and it going really, really awful, really, really quickly. So, Lord, if this is what you're doing, we're just going to need you to lead us. And, um, and so for the last year, we have just been living into that. And to be honest, um, we're not awesome at it yet, but we're going to be. We're learning more and more how to be a family of churches and not some independent churches. You know, when you get married, and then the first time you go to the grocery store, you grab two shopping carts, and you're looking at each other like, what? <laughs> if there's, there's that, right? And so we're just, we're just living into it, and, and we're learning um, how to do it. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna ask, um, in a moment, I'm gonna ask uh, two, two of our people, and, or one of yours and one of ours, kinda. They're not, we don't, they're all Jesuses. So we, um, we're, I wanna give some testimony, but I wanna start off, and I wanna, I know I've been giving testimony, on what's happening in the area, in the churches. I want to give a personal testimony on how God's changed me with this relationship. Um, and it was two, it was a, a year ago, a little more than a year ago. It was, um, the Abbey Council takes a retreat every June to this wonderful, beautiful place at Inks Lake. And we, we go there and just pray and ask the Lord what he's up to. And so um, at this point, um, we're still kicking tires and going, is this what God wants us to do? And um, I don't know, I, I can't speak for Matt, but all I know is Matt asked me to come and lead worship <laughs> for the Abbey Council retreat. And I don't know if that was come and lead worship and we're going to discern what God's up to, or if that was, hey, just come lead worship and this is what God does. I, I don't know, but I just know I was asked to come and lead worship at this thing, and I was praying about, should I do it, and the date of, remember God delights in the details of our lives, the date of it was the same date when I was in Colorado in 2011 where God said, I'm doing something new with you. June 6th, 2011. So June 6th, 2015, I think, right? Yeah. I'm not good with numbers in front of people, so just, I think it was, I think that's the year. So a year ago, right? So I look at that and go, okay, Lord, I think you're up to something. And so we show up the first night, and, um, and Matt has this migraine, and he gets medicine, and it doesn't go away. And so we're driving to the retreat, and I'm expectant that God's about to do something, and Matt has this migraine, and it's very hard. Um, he's not whining or complaining, but I can tell, like, he's really struggling in his body. And so um, we pray, and it just doesn't go away. And so um, the first night of the retreat, we get around in, this, in these, these couches, and we're sharing our stories and introducing everyone to everybody. And Matt is laying down saying nothing, and at some point I think he went to sleep. <laughs> and what it was is his head, he just had this migraine just laying down. And so, um, which if you know Matt, he's not one to be laying down unengaged in a conversation. So I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my head, what's going on? So anyways, we get to, who, who, who's Drew, why are you here? So I, I share 
my life story, and there's a, a detail in there that I shared, and I didn't think much of it, and I passed over it. And the detail was, whenever I was 20, I was in a very unhealthy church where, um, where, where I'm not going to give it in detail, but there is, is not a good place to be in. And I felt the Lord say, it's time to move on. It's no longer healthy for you to be here. So I, I go in, um, and I'm working there. It's my first job out of, out of ministry school. And I just gotten married. And then I get into the behind the scenes of this church and realize, uh-oh, this is, I don't know if you've ever been there. Not <laughs> I felt very disillusioned as a 20-year-old, six months married, and all of a sudden my boss and my pastor is not who he is on the stage. So I go in and I say, I feel like God's saying it's time to move on. And I, this is hard. And for six months I've been praying about it. And I tried to do it with all of the honor and respect and humility that I could do it. And that just set something off in him. And he said, you know, Drew, God isn't doing anything greater in his kingdom than right here. And if you leave this church, God's never going to bless you for the rest of your life. And then said, get out. And so that happened, you know, 12 years ago. And so I just shared that detail and I went on and Rick said, wait, 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 stop. Have you ever had anyone pray over you and, like that was an authority figure that spoke a curse over your life. And as pastors, God, there's an authority of what you bind and what you lose and like he did something very unhealthy and evil over you. Has you had, has, have you had anyone pray for you over that? And I said, no. Do you remember doing that? And at that moment, Matt sits up from the couch. <laughs> and his migraine went away. And so um, all of the leaders of grace gathered around me and prayed for me one by one. I've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit like that night. I never felt it like that. It was so strong, so beautiful, so peaceful to have six or seven men who just loved me who said, we want blessing for you, not cursing. And not on our watch is that ever going to be the opposite. And... um, I remember Rick prophesying over me and then Brian closed the prayer and he comes, you know, like I'm an old Pentecostal guy, right? So he comes before me and he takes oil and he does this like, you know, prays this prayer and does like the cross on my head and I'm thinking, that looked really Catholic but this just feels right, just come on, like at this point I'll take whatever God has for me, I just, you know. And I've, I have not been the same person since that day. I, I, I have felt like, like there's just an ease to ministry. There's, uh, you know, there's still a fight, but, but there's just an anointing and a grace and a, like a divine energy. And I think that it was from that moment where the leaders of this church laid hands on me and, and like, like commissioned me and said, we want you, we bless you, we're behind you, we have your back, and there is no curse of hell that is ever gonna come in the way of that. Come on.
I think that is worth doing over and over and over and over again. And it seems to me that one of the charisms or the graces that is on grace is God is drawing and has drawn. This is just what he's doing. Maybe you've noticed it. Maybe you'll start to notice it. But he brings people here, both um, members and partners and leaders who need healing, who are banged up, who are bruised, who are broken, who are hurting. And like it's my opinion that one of the great graces on grace is the grace of healing and restoration and bringing wholeness and redemption. And he does that in the lives of you all. He does that in the lives of leaders. He's done that in me. I know he's done that in Andrew and Britt. And he's, he's, he's just, he, that's what he's doing. It's so good. And so th- there's this quote by G.K. Chesterton. And, and Chesterton says, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Now, I don't think we're doing this badly, but the point of that is if something's worth doing, don't wait till you're awesome at it to do it. Just start doing it and live into it. And as you do that, if we have love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, humility, we're just gonna get better and better and better at loving each other and serving each other and being a family of interdependent churches that say what we want is the name of Jesus lifted up, not the name of our church or the name of a pastor or the name of denomination or whatever. We think that Psalms 133 is worth doing. Where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, it's there that God commands the blessing. The blessing doesn't have a choice, it's commanded. So we believe unity, love, humility, unselfishness, considering the needs of others before we, we believe that's worth doing, and if we do it badly, it's still worth doing until we get awesome at it. So what I wanna do is, like, I just shared how being a part of grace has been so beneficial for me. I wanna ask Kayla to come up, and um, I want her to share, and I need a microphone. Brian, you have a handheld or... You got it? Kayla is one of the the first people that we met downtown. She's the first person that I baptized down here. And uh, when it was just seven of us, she was one of the seven. And so I want you, uh, God has been doing something great in her life over the last five years, but specifically in the last year, it's been a great joy of mine to see how God has continued to love and heal Kayla, and he's used you guys to do that. And I want her just to give testimony to that. Okay. So, you know, growing up in mostly traumatic circumstances left me stranded in the background. I was filled with so much mistrust and cynicism. Um, I didn't believe anyone was in my corner rooting for me. Over the past five and a half years, God has really been doing a number. And um, over the past year is kind of when I've seen a tremendous amount of healing and growth. So last year at the Gathering Grace Retreat, I happened to sit at a table filled with nothing but grace people. And as a shy introvert, that was really difficult since I didn't know anybody. 
I knew maybe two people from Grace because they served at some former capacity at the gathering. But that's the extent I knew. But across from the table sat this very fun uh, lady that had a lot to say, took the time for asking me, like, do you have anything to add? And truthfully, I'm like, nah, no. <laughs> and um, that lady is Pamela. A lot of you know her. Um, she is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> and then at Leadership Intensive, I actually met Lucy, which is in the back somewhere over there. She may have ran. Um, anyway, but between those two women, they really ministered to my heart. They gave me guidance. Um, I felt really motherless, and uh, I didn't have great direction. And so uh, they were able to really mother me and love on me, listen to my heart, and truly just um, loved me where I was and where I'm at now. Um, You know, sometimes when we've been through so much, it's easy to build walls and not let anyone in. Because in our, in our minds, it's, well, they're going to hurt us anyway, so what does it matter? But, and the truth of the matter is, if you're going to look for the bad, that's what you're going to see. And if you look for the good, that's what you're going to see. And um, there's a song called If We're Honest by Francesca Bettistelli that I really particularly love. And it's called If We're Honest. Bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine because love can heal what hurt divides. And I just love that. Um, there are pe- like Lucy and Pamela were very patient with my healing and my growth and my stubbornness. Oh, I have stubbornness. But since I've met them, I've learned so much about life and the important things. I've learned how to control my deep emotions. I feel deeper than pretty much anyone I know. And I've learned to be able to truly control that. I deal with conflict better. I communicate better, and most importantly, I spend time with our Heavenly Father. And um, the connection between grace and the gathering wasn't by accident. God's going to be using the connection to glorify his name. The unification of our two church bodies is going to allow us to grow stronger, not because of what any of us are doing, but because there's strength in the Father and there's strength in the unification of his children. So... Amen. Good job. Mm, Big deal. Thank you, Kayla. If you know Kayla, it's just a big deal for her to get up in front of strangers and share. It's good. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for all who have loved and served her and served us in that. My man, Cameron. You're up, buddy. I've really grown to love this guy, and, and this is um, kind of a story from the other perspective of, of someone who's been a part of grace and has um, been trained by grace. And uh, a year ago, he was living in Alamo Heights <laughs> and was playing up on this, uh, uh, well, not on this one, but, you know, was playing the bass. And in that last year... Um, like grace has invested the leader 
that is Cameron Archer, and he's moved into Dignity Hill. He's one of our worship leaders, and it's been a joy of mine to see him grow in his heart and also grow in how he can serve Jesus with his hands in the last year. And it's a wonderful testimony of y'all's vision to be a gospel community that trains up kingdom leaders and sends them out on mission. Cameron is, is, is evidence and fruit of that vision. So I want him just to share from his heart. I kind of just did it, but I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Well, thanks for telling them that I, thanks for not telling them that I was living with my parents in Alamo Heights. That's, I appreciate you leaving that detail. Well, I no. thought everyone knew that. So I just, you know. They did. Um, thanks, Drew. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm part of kind of the unique group of individuals, young people, you know, mostly of, who were at Grace for uh, a time and then ended up kind of transitioning to gathering uh, once we came together as church. And really, I mean, so much has happened in my heart over this last year at the gathering, but what I realized is how the Lord was preparing all of these things way before this, even before I started coming to grace. And, and I, I'll start with just saying that the, the thing that the Lord has taught me, particularly in this last season of my life, is to trust him and to hear his voice. And, and not just to hear his voice, but to listen and go and do and obey. And um, you know, I just remember being at grace and kind of talking to Andrew and really wanting to to lead worship and be a part of that. I'm a musician. I love music. Um, and, and Andrews kind of said, yeah, we, you know, we'd love to have you. And, um, but really said, you know, he didn't say this explicitly. Actually, actually, no, he did one time. Um, that's another story, but it was great. And basically said, look, you know, I want you to come lead worship, but I need you to submit to my authority. And um, as a very proud um, stubborn person, you know, I'm like, dude, I was in a band for like four years in college. Like <laughs> I'm good at this. And I'm sure Andrew's just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyways, he was gracious enough to let me come in and, and help him lead worship. And during that time really trained me one as a musician. I mean, he taught me really the the ins and outs of how to play bass and how to play bass well, um, but also introduced me to what it actually looks like to be a worship leader and showed me that the Lord doesn't want my music. He wants my heart and he wants my heart so that he can use me to gain the hearts of the rest of his people. And um, that is what leading worship is about. It's music is, is a very, uh, pale medium for what the Lord is doing in the hearts of his people and, and of his leaders. And so I, you know, ended up talking to Drew last summer and, you know, Drew was talking about kind of transitioning in the worship leaders. And, you know, I'd kind of felt the Lord calling me to Dignity Hill. I had bought a house there. I, you know, I was renovating it and, um, you know, kind of felt my heart being pulled to that area. And so I was really excited about the prospect of getting to lead worship be the worship leader um, and, you know, just step into a new place. Um, and I think just, you know, it's so funny because the day that I went to, to the gathering for the first time was, was a day that I'll always remember um, because it was, again, it was one of those things where the Lord just, he's, he's, he loves the details and he loves to really 
remind us of his sovereignty in the details. And, you know, so I come to the gathering really trying to discern uh, whether or not the Lord is calling me into a position of, of leadership. And what Drew spoke about um, was jumping into and trusting what the Lord is doing prior to having understanding about it. And I had been discerning this over the last month, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, one, because I didn't hear the Lord speaking to me, and it's only very recently that I've realized that the Lord has been speaking to me. I just haven't been paying attention. Um, but I did. I, I jumped in, um, and so here I, you know, here I am at, at the gathering and um, just helping to lead worship. And really, in the last. Um, few months um, just have learned so much about what it means to be courageous in trusting what the Lord is saying um, and just know that he is a provider and, and a giver. Um, I think the, the predominant thing I've heard from the Lord is, is he said, Cameron, you know, I want you to trust me and see what I can do. Um, and he's just provided and blessed me and, and given everything for me. It reminds me of you know, the covenants that he had made with, with Abram and then renewed with the Israelites in Moab. I mean, he made this covenant with Abram. Brief history, you know, in, in, in these ancient times when, when two people would make a covenant, they'd cut a bunch of animals in half, which is very gruesome, but it's the way they did it. And then each of them would walk through the bodies. Well, when God made his covenant with Abram, Abram fell asleep. And so God sent a smoking pot and a flaming torch through the animals, basically sealing the covenant on both of their behalves. Because God said, I'm not, you know, not going to let this fail. I've, I'm covering you. And then um, when Moses you know, spoke for the Lord to the Israelites in Moab and, and renewed uh, his covenant with them, he's, he's talking about all of the ways that the Lord has blessed the Israelites and led them out of Egypt and led them through wilderness. He says, I've I've walked you through the wilderness for 40 years and have your sandals and your clothes ever worn out? No, they haven't. For 40 years, you've been wearing the same clothes and they've never worn out on you. And I think as I've had the chance to look back on my life and the history, not only at Grace, but even before that, um, the Lord has showed me that. He showed me the ways that he's raised me and blessed me and encouraged me and drawn me into his presence. My mom always likes to use this image of a, a tetherball, um, just swinging around, and I swung pretty wide. Um, but the Lord has just brought me back in and, and, and really centered me because um, he's done so many things in my life that I, I've had no control or authority over. And, um, and I'm just grateful for Drew and so many people at the gathering who live around me and encourage me, the Aesels and the Mungins and the Batches and, um, you know, so many more um, who I've just grown with and learned with. Um, Catherine in particular, who's just encouraged me to really step into the transformation that the Lord has wanted um, to have in my heart. And so in May, I was um, baptized and really renewed that covenant and say, Lord, you know, I, I want to step into this. I want to give you my heart. And um, that has been a uh, hard process. Um, I'm still proud. I'm still stubborn. Uh, and I'm still, at times, very afraid. Um, but the Lord has given me the people to encourage me 
relieve my, my anxiety and fear um, and to, to lead me. And Drew has really led me well as a, as a leader, um, and I've just been really grateful. So, you know, to say thank you to all of the people of Grace who were trying, but I wasn't <laughs> listening. Uh, it was... It was making a difference, and the Lord was really using you guys. And so I'm grateful for that. Well done, brother. Love you.